Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left 4 Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. I'm one of your hosts, Rai. And I'm your other host, Chris. And today we are continuing our saga with Saw 5 and 6. So this, I'm going to bury the lead. I, I... I was really, really surprised in a good way about these films. Like we mentioned on our previous Saw episodes, uh, we're going to uncharted territory. Um, I I want to make a slight correction. I think I've only seen like the first five minutes of Saw 5 because I clearly remember the pendulum trap that was at the beginning. Um, but everything else was, was new territory. Um, but I was really surprised. I, if you go back a couple episodes, at least my point of view, um, I was, one of my critiques was that the previous Saw films were, they had a more philosophical core that was really compelling and thought, uh, thought provoking. And yes, uh, these two films, they strayed away from that. I think they were going for more of a straight up mystery or straight up thriller vibe not maybe not mystery thriller but like psychological thriller um so there wasn't that core of of like existential philosophical subtext or at least there's not as prevalent it was more focused on the schlock and the traps but um especially saw five i thought i thought like the traps were much more intricate and i think they were much more creative um and i think i think because of that like uh i want to change my opinion i really enjoy these two films i think uh i think i was un i think it was uh unfairly unfairly biased against them because i pleasantly had a really great time watching both these films um and i I don't know maybe maybe it's the mindset i was in like i was I'm operating on like four hours of sleep. So I don't know. Maybe I'm the bar. I mean, I guess I'm easily entertainable to begin with, but I had such a blast watching these two films and I'm really glad that, um, you know, I think these two still lived up to the name. And despite them getting like really bad reviews from critics, on the other hand, I, I think we live in an era where, you know, just let people enjoy what they like. And I really enjoyed these two films. And that's my hot take right from the get-go. Okay, so I definitely said in a previous episode that I vaguely remember watching Saw 5, but there was something about it I didn't like. And I distinctly remember saying that it had something to do with the blood and that the blood looked too pink. And I'm here to say I have no idea what the fuck I was watching because in Saw 5, the blood is normal blood colored. So maybe it was a different Saw movie that I might have catching a glimpse of. Maybe your TV color scale or hue was weird. Or that, I don't know. Now, I, like Chris, was very pleasantly surprised with Saw 5 and 6. Not just trap-wise, but I felt that 5 and 6 really felt like a movie for 
the fans. So critics, like damn the critics for a second. These felt like they were making them for the fans. And they are, especially when you get to six, they are trying to show you that there is a connection to the original Saw franchise, trilogy, if you will, saga. And I think that they're doing a really good job. I don't think so far, after seeing five and six, that they've stretched that too thin yet. Uh, They made some connections, especially in Saw 6, that they show you that I never really would have thought of. And again... For me, it just is a testament to how intelligent Jigsaw is. And I have feelings about watching six, but let's get into five first. So I think with five, five is, um, five fills in the gaps in between, or fills in the gaps of a lot of the previous films, while six, um, I think it's a lot of fan service. I think six in particular provides a ton of Easter eggs, like wrapping up all the films all together and giving us like a deeper insight into uh, Tobin Bell's character. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot of backstory. Yeah. Sawfly was more about um, how detective Hoffman got, became the next jigsaw apprentice and how, he got involved with the Jigsaw's work and simultaneously um, how he's trying to avoid um, detection and capture by the FBI, mainly from FBI agent Peter Strom. Um, but it, I, I think it, it's, honestly, I, I agree with, uh, with, with Ryan, like screw the critics and and I don't think, I mean, I, I again, I don't know what the critics' uh, set of criteria is for watching a film, but um, I feel like this film it only makes sense, and it only I think you get a greater appreciation if you of art if you're a fan of the franchise and even better like if you just watch it like we do like in a marathon like when it's all fresh and you can those synapses are still fresh in your mind because you're making all these connections you're seeing all these callbacks and allusions and easter eggs and you're piecing together this elaborate chronological timetable and you're like every single moment i was watching five and also with six um, I was like, oh, that's where it fits in. Oh, that's what happened. And I love having that reaction to Saw because five and six show you that it's not just about the elaborate ways they go through trying to create traps and trap people. It's making connections and showing you relationships between people that, again, you don't really think about when you're watching the original movies. And... What I especially loved about Five was that, yes, there were several traps. And apart from the pendulum trap, it all surrounded around one group of people, which up until this point was not the way it worked. And I love that. I love the idea of, and you see it with Six, but in a, in a different, in a little bit of a different way. And 
I, I love that that was a direction that they decided to go in for these two movies. Are they going to continue that? Who knows? Again, all of this remains to be seen for us. But I'm actually kind of pissed at myself for not having gone farther in the Saw movies. And I don't know how, I don't know if you felt this way. But while I was watching Five, I had this distinct memory of being really irritated with Hoffman. And I absolutely was not this go-around. Okay, you know what? I, I made up, okay, well, two points. One, I love how the creative team, like, yeah, made the Saw Traps fresh in a way. So they made it into this super effed up i mean i guess all of them are essentially super messed up escape room type of scenarios but this one was really really fucked up for the reveal at the end exactly because like the the entire i guess the 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 subplot of the traps so to speak or like the meta the meta the meta narrative of how to succeed a trap or play the game is that you have to ignore your basic instincts. You gotta ignore the the flight or flight reaction. You gotta Jigsaw's forcing everyone to work with each other, and he gives you like specific clues, um, or he designs the traps in a way where everyone can work together and not kill each other to get to the end of this long marathon of traps. Which, by the way, like some of these traps are like really cool, really ingenious, really cleverly th- thought out. Um, but it it was all part of one macro trap and like the big reveal at the end or close to the end was like, uh, I was like, oh no, like the, all these keys worked out, one key worked, would work all on the same locks or there was more than one, uh, more, more than one person could fit in this manhole to, or this tunnel, um, or all of us could have sacrificed a little bit of blood, uh, at the end. So... I thought it was really cool that they just provided that additional or just that new dimension, uh, just pushing the envelope, trying to keep it fresh. And um, so I thought that was awesome. I I really commend uh, the direction of writing on that. Um, The second thing I completely agree, or actually, well, the second thing about uh, Hoffman, I, I kept like, like, gritting my teeth and shaking my fist at Hoffman because he was like he was leaving a trail of evidence everywhere he wasn't wearing gloves he was touching every single gun and every single surface and touching every single bullet and I felt I mean yes there's gonna be like plot logic or plot holes and you could just write it off as all the the police or the FBI are not good at their jobs but I feel like Hoffman was just being way too sloppy which I guess now if I think about it you know, I guess that's the point because Hoffman is not Jigsaw. He's trying to be Jigsaw, but he's also, I mean, his his tie to the legacy is already tainted because he was first a copycat killer of Jigsaw, and then Jigsaw happened to make him his apprentice afterwards. Well, actually, wait a minute. I have a quote from him that talks about that. So the one thing that I thought was interesting. Well, I mean, there were many things that were interesting about this, but one of the things that I found really interesting was in Hoffman's acceptance speech, he quotes Jigsaw to a degree. 
Uh, he says, justice is the backbone to every peaceful society, and I believe justice has been served. And in the same breath, he also mentions about how life should be cherished. Two things that we have heard Jigsaw say on his tapes to his victims. So there's that. Uh, anybody who's looking at that could say, well, he's just been working really close to the case, so it's not surprising that that would come up in his vernacular. Except for the FBI agent, he knows that there's something weird going on. And he almost ruins everything! Oh, I, just to, just to add, um, chime in, I definitely agree about that. Like, uh, he definitely he definitely empathizes with Jigsaw's message, and, and through a series of reveals, we find out that uh, the guy who dies on the pendulum trap is Seth Baxter, who we find out um, in the at the end of five. Yeah, I'm mixing the two up. My my brain's a little bit blurry, but we find out that Seth Baxter killed Hoffman's sister, and that drove him insane. And then he was like, "Well, I'm gonna use a jigsaw." or the name of Jigsaw, to kill Seth um, and exact my own form of justice. Exactly. And Jigsaw takes him to make a point of saying, I'm not going to take credit for work that's not mine, especially when I find it so distasteful. And he's... <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I loved watching Jigsaw be the teacher because you always wonder how did he get a cop who yes devastated by grief but a cop how did you get him to follow you into the down this path i i feel like the further we get along in the saw movies the more screen time tobin bill gets and like i felt like it definitely would saw five it was like the most i loved time it shot yeah, it was like this. It was like the longest running scene where he's just having a one-on-one conversation with Hoffman, and they're just having like this intellectual battle of over morality. And Jigsaw's point is, well, the justice system doesn't work, um, or it's too inefficient, or too slow, or too flawed, or could be abused. I have a quicker method, a more efficient method. It's yet yeah, I call it rehabilitation. And he he tells he show, shows that to Hoffman, um, you know, by uh, doing by setting up a really basic but effective shotgun trap, and um, also yes, yes, he also starts to blackmail Hoffman. But in the end, like Hoffman starts to come around and see or starts to really believe in the message, and. I thought that was just so it's it was such a riveting scene and um I mean I, I know for some critics uh, at least uh, when when the reviews came out they they praised Tobin Bell's acting performance and they were I guess disappointed that he it was it was all cameos but I I didn't agree with that I thought I thought like this was amazing character development. I, I don't think it's the level of a cameo. I think it was a really core element of the film. Like it was like the it, it was like the actual spine that was holding holding it together. Um, 
Yeah, and that's just a testament to how awesome Tobin Bell is. He has his own input with a lot of the stuff that he does. I believe it was during the extras for Saw 6, or maybe it was Saw 5, <laughs> that I was watching... Uh, I don't know if it was the writer, it might have been the director, who was talking about working with Tobin Bell and how he was such a joy to have on set because he's been with this character for so long that sometimes they wouldn't even write too much dialogue because they were saying how it would just say, insert Tobin dialogue here, because a lot of the stuff that he says he comes up with on the spot. And during some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, they were like, oh, do you want to say that? Do you want to say it differently? And he's like, no, 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 no. I love getting his line fed to me like that. I'll just do this. And they just go, yeah, you got it. And they let him carry that. I think I'm hope my new hope for the rest of the franchise is that the more we get into the background of Jigsaw and how all of this happened, the more Tobin we get because it's really great to watch him be this fleshed out character. And I think more important for that, it is really, really awesome and commendable that the movies are taking us to these places despite none of the original director's cast writers being a part of this. Lee Whannell has nothing to do with this. James Wan has nothing to do with this. Darren Lynn Bowsman has ceased to be involved in this. And Saw 5 and 6 were directed by two different people. But I believe it's the same two people that wrote 5 and 6. And again, it feels like they're doing this as fans and for the fans. And I think that that's what made this so enjoyable to watch. I definitely agree, and it's... Yeah, you're right. Uh, Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan, they were the previous writers of Saw 4, and they returned. Um, um, and, uh, so James Wan and Lee Whannell, they were executive producers. They're there because it's their baby, but they don't really, like, contribute that much, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, they're... they're I think it's probably... Their input is probably, probably went so far as... They, they checked off a couple, like, oh, yeah, this sounds good. This uh, Maybe do this. But so, yeah, yeah, the fact that you mentioned there's two different directors with Saw 5 and Saw 6, like, I really couldn't tell. Like, the, the two movies in particular, like, they see they seamlessly well melded together so well. And overall, they it tied in every other preceding film as well. And I think that type of feat, is not possible unless their directors are really big fans or they really understand the genetics of Saw. Um, and I don't know whether or not they had the Saw Bible in front of them to direct this film or not. Uh, I, 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 st- I was looking through trivia and production notes. I didn't see anything along that, f- along that matter. But um, I think with the, all the connective strands or tying together, I think... The Saw 5 and Saw 6, were, they were written and produced with such care and dedication. And I, I think it, you can really see that. I think one of the... Just going back to the lessons. So, as we know, there is a common theme with Saw. Jigsaw lays everything out for you. And people often ignore it. And I love seeing that continue and get slightly more brutal when you have to 
I, I love that, but it wasn't brutal in the same way Amanda's traps were brutal. But something really stuck out to me when Jigsaw was teaching Hoffman. And he said, you can never make it personal. Which is exactly what happens to Amanda. That is what in part becomes her downfall. She makes it personal. And we find out why it's sort of personal for her. I believe that was in Saw 6. So now that we've opened that door, let's just dive right into that. In Saw 6, in a flashback, you see that there's Amanda and... What's his name? Cecil? Cecil, Cecil. yeah, I think it's Cecil, yeah. Yeah, driving in a car. And you go, well, that's weird. And then they touch on it later. The night that Cecil broke into the clinic to get, presumably, drugs... It was for Amanda, and Amanda was with him. And that's why he did it. And that's when Jill, Jigsaw's wife, lost the baby. And that was his descent, essentially. And Hoffman found out and knew and threatened to tell Jigsaw. So, but I think even way before that, Amanda's connection to Jigsaw became very, very personal. Because, um, uh, I guess uh, this Saw 5 and Saw, Saw 6, they, pl- they jump around in time a lot. Which I don't, I don't hate though. Usually I hate it when movies do that, but for some strange reason, the way they're doing all of this, it works. It works. Um, I, I I'm not disparaging it. I would, I'm just curious. I would love to see a super cut of like Saw 1 through all the way to like jigsaw but it's all recut and re-edited so it's actually in chronological order and we could see like the the full timeline but um we see how personal it gets with amanda because after the reverse bear trap uh trap puzzle uh we see jigsaw introduce amanda to his ex-wife and he's like, I got it. I have the cure. I have the key to rehabilitation. And this is proof. And you see Amanda come out of the shadows. And she reveals herself to, um, oh, what's her name? Jill Tuck? Jill. Yeah. And, she, and she's like, and she obviously has worked with Amanda in the past. But Jigsaw even says, you told me about this girl. You said she was a hopeless case. And look at her. She's completely free of her addiction. And that's part of the reason why he makes, I feel like he makes Hoffman sit and watch his trap, his razor wire trap, because he wants to make him understand the difference between murder, which is what he did, versus the rehabilitation he's trying to give to these people. Um, on the other hand, I, find, I found it interesting that the writers introduced a bit of doubt into Jigsaw's modus operandi and like and then like Hoffman's reaction to it or his reflection or his internalization process of it so there's that I think it was yeah this was um so, somewhere in like the first or second act of Saw 6 where uh one of the what the the lady at the beginning of the film she um she was one of the loan sharks um and uh the there was this two co-workers who had to cut off a pound of flesh to make sure uh, this 
drill contraption doesn't like screw into their brain so that they, they have to mutilate themselves and put parts of their body parts uh, onto a scale of whoever provided more flesh would win and you see um the lady cut off like her entire arm uh, she won and then hoffman goes to check in on her and hoffman still still here a believer in jigsaw he was asking her questions really 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 shady questions like like uh did you learn did you learn anything from the game and the the lady was like did i learn anything look at me she just flashes her off that scene gave me chills in the best way possible i thought it was a cool scene so i think hoffman is struggling to try not to keep it personal uh and trying to uh live up to jigsaw's name and um all the while we never question I guess we never um we never question Jigsaw's logic. Um but I feel like this is the f- the first time um at least from someone within Jigsaw's inner circle whether it would be Hoffman or Jill um or Amanda they we see like oh maybe Jigsaw really was crazy and there's something that's um inherently flawed in his logic. Um, and that's that's the thing like it's like um i think that was like the chicken in the armor and I, I remember correctly I, again i haven't seen like the rest of the Zal films um but i remember there was some buzz or something written about the further films where i think like to- like jigsaw's character uh, may have expressed regret or remorse or had a had a second thoughts about his actions god i hope not okay again this is just this is like fever dream and speculation and like things i'm trying to half remember and i'm super tired and i know this might not be uh coherent radio i'm just like talking out loud right now (laughs) save me ryan (laughs) okay so speaking of things from saw six so in saw five we saw a trap that was meant for five people to move along together. In Saul 6, it takes you down a different path. It focuses on one man and the insurance company he runs. Now, this is where I think the intelligence really comes in because now Jigsaw is going after the insurance companies that are responsible for holding other people's lives in their hands. Um, He even says to this guy, you know, you underestimate a person's will to live. So your insurance packages might benefit the healthy but you severely underestimate how badly someone who's going to die really wants to live. And all the traps in this are centered around him and his insurance agency and their policies. And I think my favorite trap from Saw 6 is the carousel. The carousel is easily my favorite. Easily my favorite. And not ingenious, but simplistic enough that you're like, oh, damn, that's a good trap. And I think it takes you back to some of the original Saw movies, like the reverse bear trap. It sounds, it's it's a very simple thing. It's just, it's literally exactly what it sounds like. It's a reverse bear trap. The carousel is exactly what it sounds like. And I think that that is probably one of my favorite traps of the franchise so far. Now, 
when you get to the end of Saw 6, this is where my notes get like all capitalized, really enthusiastic. I, uh, I did make myself a note and now I can't remember why. Oh no, I do remember why. It had to do with the insurance guy. Okay. I wrote, I hate to get to a point in a horror movie where I side with the killer. And I couldn't tell in that moment if it was like my age or my cynicism that was like driving me to side with Jigsaw. But the fact that I'm siding with the killer and his like skewed morality. Oh, oh, le le let me guess. The true villain of all the Saw franchises is America's screwed up health insurance system. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, we do have a screwed up health insurance system. Like, we're fucked, essentially. Bad, bad, bad health insurance is what drove Jigsaw off the edge. But but put it this way. It's not just that. That just created another level. It was the cancer was losing his son. There's, he's like, at this, at this rate, Jigsaw's a fucking onion. We're just, like, peeling back layers. So, you, there's a subplot with um, Jill Tuck. Jigsaw's ex-wife throughout the entire film. She goes to a lawyer and gets a box, and you don't really get to see what's in it right away. What you find out is there are six envelopes with photos in it, and then you further find out that her and Hoffman are not in cahoots, but... They're, they're an open secret understanding. Yes, that they're both continuing John's work in very different ways. And... Hoffman goes to Jill and says, give me the envelopes. So they're aware of each other, their liabilities to each other. And at the end, when everything is starting to wrap itself up, Jill comes in and comes after Hoffman and says, he gave me a sixth envelope and it has Hoffman's picture in it. And what does she do to Hoffman? She drugs him, straps him to a chair, and puts the reverse bear trap trap on his head. It's an updated one. It's very updated. It's lovely looking. And I have a feeling that Hoffman probably did it because we saw him tinkering with some of the traps in 5 and 6. I mean, either way, the fact that you get to see the return of that being used on his protege, I thought was like, mwah, like beautiful. Well done. I... I thought it was, uh, I guess it was a bit of like half poetic justice, half time back, just, you know, make, making things come full circle. Because part of the subplot was uh, Hoffman constantly taunt, taunting Amanda um, and the two calling each other out for not really being fully committed. Committed and or not fully honoring Jigsaw's message or legacy. And that's true. Like, um, both Amanda... Uh, well, Amanda, she was making traps so difficult that um, Hoffman... Or just no one could escape them. And thereby perverting Jigsaw's wish to re actually rehabil rehabilitate people. On the other hand, um, you know, Hoffman's first sin was... Um. Uh, using the Jigsaw name to make himself well, one to, to become remember he doesn't like exact murderers. vengeance, exactly. And two, um, Jigsaw points it out like 
uh, Hoffman, you think you're a hero. You think you're untouchable. You think that all the key players are dead, but you're wrong. I'm still going to test you. Again, furthering the point that Jigsaw tells you everything you need to know. You just have to listen. And we saw this like way at the beginning of like Saw Four when they pull when he pulls out the cassette tape from the guy's stomach. It was from Jigsaw's stomach. He swallowed it. And and then Jigsaw says cryptically, Hoffman, you're gonna be tested. And we see that happen throughout six. Um and uh the sixth envelope, uh coincidentally, was Hoffman's test where uh, he has to escape the bear cr- bear trap claw. And I guess that was Jigsaw's way of like, you know, it was like, yeah, you're, you're full of hubris. You're full of shit. I'm going to take you down a few 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 notches. Because um, Hoffman never really went through the same ordeal Amanda did to become fully, uh, I guess, indoctrinated to the Jigsaw's legacy and ideology and you know Hoffman he prevailed he like mutilated himself uh he's and oh his face is fucked up at the end of this movie oh yes he's like he looked like the guy from overlord you know half his cheek is missing i mean i'm down i want to see what happens next time but i think i wrote here i wrote okay i wrote is jill the new jigsaw at the end (laughs) aka lady jigsaw i give a solid thumbs up for that I think I I think how I think how it was written and how we see I I, I think the changes or the depictions were were tried to play it off as subtle but I think that I think there's a clear progression it, you start to see Jill become radicalized and start to become more uh, empathetic of Jigsaw's mission especially. Um, you know, I I think I I love I love her actress. Her name is uh, Betsy Russell. You just see her walk through uh, a lot of the movie, especially after she opens up Chicksaw's final gift to her with such determination and coldness. And you see what she's truly capable of. And it's like, oh man, I I hope to see more of this. Yeah, which is why I would be very excited if she was the one that sort of got pulled into all of this and and was the next jigsaw. My next thing in all caps was return of the reverse bear trap. So clearly that's still my top trap. Like it's still my ultimate, my penultimate like favorite, but the carousel is not too far behind. I never thought I'd say this about a serial killer, but I said, I love the idea of a lady jigsaw, but I was getting used to Hoffman. I don't mind him being tested. I just wanted. Ooh, excuse me. Ooh, I just wanted him to live. But he did live. He did. But this this was at a point where I was like, oh, shit, he's going to (laughs) die. He going to die. And I was like, I was not ready for that. I was not prepared. Yeah. I was honest. Like, I, I knew, like, Jill was up to something. I mean, it was very clear. But when, but when like, uh, Jill walks in and starts electrocuting him, and then takes a, a the, the new bear trap out of her handbag, it's like, oh my god, I, I had chills. I I was legitimately surprised. It was very very good. It was the it was the best. I think in terms of both of these, I think I enjoyed the sixth one more than the fifth, but. 
I liked the new trap precedent that the fifth movie set. I, I agree. Like, I, I liked six more because we got so much backstory and connective tissue uh, and more development of John and uh, Jill Tuck in particular. Um, and I... I mean, as a whole, I, I I thought like six went really gung ho on the gore factor for uh, the traps, um, and which is I I which for me like I I thought that was great. I I thought like this was visually stunning and it was really creative, um, especially the carousel trap. Um, but overall, I do agree. Like, even though it was one macro trap, I I like Saw Five's puzzles better because it completely subverted like what we expect uh, from traps after four movies. It's like, oh, now uh, now everyone has to work each other with, with each other, um, and it really sold home like this quirky escape room type of uh element and i was i was just really bemused because like i used to work as an operator at an escape room um and i just felt like i felt like this this uh, i felt like oh you guys you're, you're not working together you guys are sometimes when you work at an escape room you see especially if uh two different parties uh book the same room at the same time um you see then divide into like middle mini microcosms and they are arguing with each other or they're wasting time and um this movie was just like a reflection of that and i was like this 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 is great i love it one of the ending notes of saw six that i hope we get to see we get to explore more in the next two was it shows amanda leaving Jigsaw and Hoffman alone together and she goes to visit Jeff's daughter and through the little people like the little keyhole she says don't trust the one who saves you so I'm excited to see if that comes back together I'm hoping it will because so far these new writers and directors have started to make connections to the previous movies that I don't think we really counted on ever coming back up again. So I really hope that they go back into that and explore that. I think I said I enjoyed the sixth movie uh, narrative-wise more than the fifth, but the fifth established like newer, more not more inventive, but differently invented traps. Yeah, traps with a different way of thinking and operating. And to its to its benefit, not its detriment. I agree. Uh I definitely echo those um those points. Like it's um six. Uh I think six in terms of of world building and lore. It was more all encompassing. It tied a lot of threads together from the franchise as a whole, whereas five was mostly Hoffman's story and that's not that's not like it's not a point against his favorite I mean yes we um uh, uh we, up to this point we knew relatively little about 
Hoffman, apart from the fact that he's he's worked on with the police a lot, uh, and then there was a sudden reveal. Oh shit! Hoffman's actually the new apprentice, and how we we didn't know how he got that way. And five filled in a lot of those gaps. Um, but I think we 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 all have a love affair with Tobin Bell and and Chicksaw's character and his portrayal and. Um. Yes, with Saw Five, we we I feel like we we got a more intimate look, but in Saw Six, we really see like the beginnings of his grand design. Like, there's just layers and layers and layers. Like, there's the there's there's just there's like four, four traps going on at once, and there's traps or this one giant puzzle that's that's overarching like five movies, and then I feel like. Um, you know, we haven't seen the last of Jill. I feel like there's one extra layer, uh, to wrap up, uh, Jigsaw's master, master puzzle, and it's going to tie everything together. Uh, and then in classic Saw fashion, we're going to watch it and then everything's going to fall into place and our mind's going to be blown open. It's going to be awesome. So I'm really, really excited for the next film. I'm excited for the next film because I want to see what happens next, but I'm not excited for it to end in any shape or form, but we'll see. But Ryan, what did we find out over the weekend? So, okay, so over the weekend, I very enthusiastically uh, Facebook messaged Chris and was like, Chris, look what Darren Lynn Bowsman just posted on his fucking Instagram. And then literally not a minute later, Bloody Disgusting posted an article talking about how Saw is making a comeback. Saw is returning to us in the shape of it of an extended universe. I did a really, really short blog post about it on our website. I definitely hope slash think I tweeted about it in case you haven't checked it out. It was a pure stream of fan consciousness at this point. And you should go check that out and go check out the bloody disgusting article. But to sum it up, it is an extension of the song universe directed by Darren Lynn Bowsman, written by Chris Rock. Of all people who are of all celebrities to be uh, a low key, but amazingly passionate Saw fan. I would have never thought of Chris Rock, but, uh, and it also, it also uh, makes me wonder, like, comedy writers make the best horror writers, because I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, because we, we've had this, lo- we have this chain where, you know, um, uh, Jordan Peele has been, he's been writing in comedy for years, and now he's coming out with two where he came out with two critically acclaimed horror films, Get Out and um, and Us, and now Chris Rock from Left Field, uh, just g- coming in, being the harbinger of a new Saw movie, and it's amazing and wild and crazy, and I, I am legitimately excited to see what he comes up with. I want to know what he came up with to get Darren Lynn Bowsman back on board. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm more and like. In terms of like reboots and remakes, I guess maybe like the the lifespan of when it's when it's appropriate to reboot or revamp or 
is much shorter on horror movies because like Jigsaw only came out two years ago, and now um, the ninth installment was in discussion as soon as January twenty eighteen, which is not that long after Jigsaw came out. Um, no, so. I'm both nervous and excited to see where they're going to take us in this extended universe. I am very hesitant because despite Jordan Peele's success, it doesn't mean it's going to happen for every comedian that will want to try and write horror. And I think Saw... Saw has such a devoted franchise, is such a, has such devoted fans. And on top of all of that, I do think that before Jigsaw came out, you saw people sort of getting sick of it and sort of going, no, no, we're done now. When Jigsaw came out, people thought that they were like, yes, this is what they've been missing. Like, this is, this was great and blah, blah, blah. Now, obviously we can't, comment on that yet we're getting there really 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 soon and i'm actually kind of sad about it that we're ending this franchise experience but i'm excited to see how jigsaw ends and if it ends in a way that allows for an extension of the universe because it i mean at this point we've seen that you can sort of extend the universe any which way they brought back a detective that we thought was dead. I, okay. They brought back Detef Detective Matthews because Johnny Wahlberg no longer had a scheduling conflict. I mean, shit happens. I, I just think that there is a way to extend or bring back a certain horror universe. But it does give me hope that Darren Lynn Bowsman, who directed some of the Saw movies, who was involved in all of it, is now directing this. So that does give me a little bit of hope. Um, None of which I say on the blog. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think, um, so as far as we know who's on the production team, we got we got Bozeman, um, uh, we have Chris Rock, who will be both a writer uh, and a producer, uh, previous Jigsaw writers Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger will be working on the script. Um, so you have like you have Bozeman, who's like one of the grand architects, and then you have previous uh, previous writers, and then you have someone who, um, on record, says he's a huge fan, uh, Chris Rock, and and. He's. A, he, I, I'm. I'm legitimately curious and intrigued to see what new perspe perspectives and influences and uh, ideas he'll bring to the table. Um, and um, it's, yeah, I. We. I mean, when Ryan first messaged that to me over the weekend, I was blown away. Like I thought this was it, uh, and I felt like I feel like I. I, I don't want to take credit. But I feel like when we were doing the Saw Marathon, we willed into existence in some way, some fashion. Our, our, <laughs> the radio waves sent out a bit of karma, and now we're getting a new Saw film. So, This is how you know Chris has gone to the delirious yes! end. Yes! Illusion of grandeur. Illusions of grandeur. Yes. Hey, it's all right. I, I'm a terrible influence, so I'll support you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, this is all a long way of saying we're, we're we're a little bit sad, but still excited, but a little bit sad that the next episode will be our our last Chicksaw episode uh, until until Chris Rock's movie comes out. So yeah, <laughs> and then we'll then we'll marathon it all over again just so just so we can do all these crazy conspiracy theories um, leading up to the film. We great. I'd be down. Okay. Anywho, okay, so did, did we solve this puzzle, Ryan? Did we? Oh my. Yeah, <laughs> Chris. In in this scenario, if this was a jigsaw trap, I end up carrying you out. Hey! But we both survive. Hey! <laughs> On that note, <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Literally everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook. And you can check us out on our website, leftfordread.com. And don't forget, <laughs> stay dreadful. <laughs>